You are listening to Back and Forth, Ping-Pong Chat About Logistics. Brought to you by TGL, Think Global Logistics. All of the ports, all of the airports are already um, identified and they're well traded on by, by well-identified suppliers, um, you know, be a shipping line, be an airline, be a freight forwarders. So the world as a whole is, is very well discovered. It's, it's very well discovered. And it is getting products to places very efficiently. And, and if you look at, you know, prior to the pandemic or, you know, even now, for example, post-pandemic, well, we're still in it. Um, the speed of how, we, how we're able to get a product created, made, and delivered to the end point, it's astonishing. And when you have that type of outcome, you I don't feel the whole process is fragile or the whole platform is fragile. It's in fact quite robust. What the fragile, what brings the fragility into it is the human element and the, and the nature of certain suppliers and their business models. And I'll give you an example why, you know, goods stopped moving and we weren't getting our parts and what have you. Um, well, most of it was created by the few decision makers in the shipping lines. It's no fault of theirs that their business model is a simplistic one. It is a very simplistic one. They've got this metal structure, which they have to load and maximize revenue on every space that they have. That is their business model. And you can digitize all that stuff all you want. At the end of the day, that's what they're there to do. Now, digitization will help. It will optimize. It will allow them to predict and all that sort of good stuff, which will come, I feel, within the next 10 years or so. But prior to that, that is their business model. So therefore, I'm not saying shipping lines are not intelligent. In fact, they can be as intelligent as they want, but they cannot escape their reality of needing to fill that metal box with as much profitable um, 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 cargo or revenue, high revenue cargo um, as possible. So when pandemic happened, um, fear came in and these are still human beings. They're not robots, you know? So naturally they go, well, geez, the world is coming to an end. I've got all these metal boxes that I can't load cargo anymore because demand is just gonna go to zero. <clears throat> now in hindsight, that was a huge knee-jerk reaction, huge, because like most of us, we didn't foresee, go, well, hang on, we still have to live, we still have to consume, therefore, if we're going to get locked inside, we can't travel anymore, I mean, you know, I mean, we, nobody could know what the government was going to do to us or how hard they were going to lock us down, um, but Again, that's another topic altogether. They were knee-jerking. So what we had with pandemic is we had all through the community and society, we have varying levels of um, authority and regulators all knee-jerking. We had all commercial entities knee-jerking. That's created this fragility that we speak of. In fact, the platform itself is not fragile, but it is the human decisions within it that is making it super fragile because we knee-jerk. And when they decided to start scrapping vessels um, instead of keeping them moored um, because it was going to be more, more, you know, they were going to save more money by earning the, the scrap price on the metal of those ships, 
than just having docked somewhere with not moving. Um, when they made that decision in a space of, I think was less than six months when the pandemic happened, I thought that was the one of the most devastating knee-jerk reactions that could have been done. And this is what drove us to the supply chain crisis that we see today, why we weren't seeing the products in the shelves, right? Because 90 odd percent of the goods around the world is moved by ships. So I feel that ultimately the supply chain disaster that we faced and we continue to feel the remnants of that has been created by the shipping lines themselves. And it's but a handful of decision makers. And the scary part of it is there is no, there is no regulatory oversight of that or control of that at all. So to me though, it still, it, it still says the entire system is fragile. So it doesn't matter that the infrastructure is there. If the execution fails, then it really doesn't matter what the source is. So I understand your point, but if you if, if goods are not delivered, if ports are congested, if the Suez Canal can get blocked and it you know it uh, you know you know stops trade and, and delivery for half the you know one of the hemispheres, I mean that's a problem. So you know when you think about uh, last year, I think probably before the holiday season, you started to hear more about companies looking to, you know, have air charters or to charter their own ships That's as right. an example. That's right. So, so to me, the fundamental issue is not just digitalization. That's, that's part of what I call the supply chain renaissance, but it is about creating that resilient and robust supply chain, which means having more than one solution if you're going to have a problem and having the mm -hmm. visibility to enable you to proactively make those decisions. So an example I would use would be semiconductor fabrication. So, you know, the current reality of the world is that the vast majority of semiconductors are manufactured in Taiwan mm -hmm. and shipped from Taiwan. Um, which in retrospect is a, what I call a single point of failure. So if through political or other means that supply channel is disrupted, people have no other solution. The same uh, logic applies to logistics. You need to have different solutions. So the infrastructure may be their law, but the, unless you have backup plans, unless you have contingencies, unless you have dual sources for your logistics solutions, it's all fragile because it only takes one storm or one accident to disrupt the mm -hmm. delivery of goods for any given customer. And that's how they would look at it. So while the infrastructure might be in place, the fragility still uh, exists in the whole ecosystem if it doesn't execute well. Um, and I also come from a view that um, what I say is waiting for good forecasting is a bad strategy, right? As much as people try to improve the forecasting tools and get better forecast accuracy, it's really a panacea. It's, it's not reality. It's not ever going to come to be. So what you need to do is uh, architect, you know, 
you know, a, a lead time agnostic supply chain is what I call it, um, which has enough contingency or resilience that if something happens in one part of your supply chain, you just have to pull another lever and you have another solution to keep going. But too many people didn't have that. So, so what's these? What, what are these additional solutions, though? Because if 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 we can maybe just jump into a time machine, go back to pre-pandemic or during as the pandemic is happening, what could have been some potential additional lifesavers about us that could have allowed us to weather the storm a little bit better? Well, I, I think you touched on one of them. So um, just because when the pandemic started, everybody's staying at home. It doesn't mean they're not consuming goods. It not, doesn't mean they're buying things. Within three to six months, you saw the demand for a lot of products uh, was increasing dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people did not look at those real-time signals that they're getting to demand, mm -hmm. and they were caught flat-footed. Like you said, they took capacity offline. Uh, and, and part of that what is the mentality of trying to make a profit and, um, you know, trying to cut costs immediately yeah. Yeah. when just a little patience, um, and a little, you know, sit back and think about what's going on may have caused some people to, you know, not take as much capacity offline as quickly as they did because it happened everywhere. Um, and if they didn't do that, uh, the hole that we dug wouldn't have been quite as big and it would be take a little less time to dig ourselves out of it. Need help with your next shipment? Feel free to visit our website at www.tgl.co to book an obligation-free consultation. You can also check out the video for this episode on our YouTube channel. And while you're at it, add us on Instagram or LinkedIn and Facebook by searching Think Global Logistics. Thank you for listening. Thank you.